0: You guys are so lucky because um, I was thinking, um, part of what I'm gonna be sharing today is my testimony, and I was thinking, man, if I would have had some of this information back when I was younger, it would have been so helpful. Um, So your staff is great because, they work so well together, and then you have the biblical aspects, and you have the psychological counsel, and and then just really practical um, um, advice, and so it's so good, you know. So today, um, I'm gonna probably I'm gonna kind of go in the direction of just more personal testimony of how. Um, how I had to learn more about myself, and when I'm trying to make decisions in my life, and even how to live life. How do I include the Holy Spirit with this? How do you? How do we hear from the Holy Spirit? Um, how do we hear from the Lord through the Holy Spirit? So that's kind of what I'm going to be doing today. And um, and before we get started, somebody's birthday is today. Oh, okay. Well, Sandy told me that it was today. But happy birthday! <laughs> yeah I, okay okay so um can we just um come in together with prayer for prayer lord um i just um, we come before you god and uh i just thank you for your presence that your presence is here with us loving on us being with us and um this message i give this morning is my offering to you and have your have your way in it i pray that it would touch people here and that you would speak to them in Jesus name amen okay so uh, we're gonna so I guess well listening prayer is what I call it it's um, taking time to spend uh, in the Lord's presence and trying to hear um, the Holy Spirit and listening uh, prayer that starts with relationship with God, that is the key. And Kotz had mentioned about how, oh, I'm gonna try and put some little, what, what do you call them, Easter eggs? Where I have some phrases that were said throughout the series, so see if you can pick them up. Um, but listening prayer starts with intimacy, knowing, knowing God more intimately, and, and creating um, relationship with him. Uh, the more we understand God's character, His love for us, trusting Him and enjoying His presence, we, we, we develop friendship, right? And, and you know, when you have a good friend or family member and you know them well, they know you well, you kind of start to understand what they would say to you or what, how they would speak to you. So that's where my journey began. Um, it was when I had to embrace the reality of my childhood trauma. Uh, I had faced, I had to face some pain uh, that came from being molested when uh, that was suppressed for many years in my childhood. Um, and then it was triggered back up when my um, son actually became the age that I was molested at. And um, during that time, when I was raising Justin, I had this um, intense anxiety that started to come up. And it was this this anxiety over his safety. Uh, and I started to really focus in that and became a little obsessed with his safety. I wouldn't let him go over to friends' houses, because if I couldn't be there, I always had them come to our house so I could have that control of knowing what was happening at the time. Um, and so that led me into, um, <clears throat> I guess it was this feeling of that something could happen to them, to him, you know, and um, so I didn't feel safe. I, and I think what happened too was the childhood trauma that I had was kind of, was suppressed. But then when I was going through this process, when he was my age at that time, um, the actual feelings, I think my childhood feelings of fear started to come up within me as well. So um, over time, the fear intensified and it started to infect my relationships at home and with others. So one of the things that I remembered was... Um, uh, locked doors were really big for me like especially at night when we're going to bed or when we're home the doors needed to be locked so you know sometimes you know mike would forget to lock the door and all that but when i saw that it would be like at night and it wasn't locked i would get really upset with him and part of that too came into this place of wow i would think in my mind he really doesn't love me he doesn't love us Because he can't. Why would he not lock the door and keep us safe? You know. So the my even my mind was a bit skewed when just normal things would happen. It would internalize in my mind, and I also feel that was also the enemy too, trying to keep me in a place of fear. Um, So then that continued, and then I could not. Control my need for control, you know. So the more that fear would come up, the more anxiety, the more I felt like I needed to control things, and when I couldn't, because you can't control everything, (laughs) that brought even more um, uh, resentment. It brought into kind of depression because I'm like, I can't control everything, and I I can't, you know, I can't be the responsible mom I want to be, and and so depression started to set in. Which then, the neighbor of self-hatred <laughs> started, you know, I started it was like, oh, you know, I'm not a good mom. I'm, and then I'm fighting with Mike because of my fears and oh, I'm not a good wife, you know? And so um, I started to hate parts of myself. And it, and it escalated to a point where I was having a hard time functioning. In my daily life, like I was not, my memory was not good, I couldn't remember things, and then I'd get mad because I couldn't remember things. So it just started to escalate into this really um, captive place of, um, of not being able to be in control. So then uh, I had to realize that shame was now coming in too because um, I was letting my family down. You know, and I was isolating so I wasn't connecting to my friends because of the depression and all that. Um, and I had people, though, who would come in and they were trying to reach out to me. Um, but it was hard because it just seemed so heavy. And then resentment would re- uh, and anger flared up because I didn't feel like people understood what I was going through, um, which then brought in guilt, right? Because I felt bad that I felt resentful and angry. <laughs> um, and then I think all of this was so rooted in my childhood trauma that I was a gory mess, right? And at times I would lash out at my family. That wasn't fair, and so it was like a, an emotional cycle. It would I would just living life and going through this emotional cycle that I felt caught up in. Now, when I looked to the past of of how I was brought up, um, the things that Tim talked about, the attachment theory, I was able through you know counseling and as I was going through the process to see that you know for my parents. Um, They were actually very good. I felt secure, like all my physical needs were always met. And I did feel and I knew they loved me. I would say if there was a part that was an insecurely attachment was probably more with my mom because it was more of an emotional insecurity of attachment because she was unable to, she nurtured me in the physical needs and when I was sick. But when I needed to talk about the emotional aspects of my life or feeling freedom to share when things were hard. That was very difficult because she didn't know how to deal with it. And as I was going through this process of growing, I realized that it was a generational thing too, because as I went to see my grandma and I saw like the dynamics of the family, I'm like, oh they didn't really talk much. you know. They didn't really share feelings. That was not really their thing. And so I go, oh, she didn't know how. you know. So when the Lord was taking me through the healing process, I had to learn to forgive my mom, that she couldn't give me the things that I really wanted. Um, but God is good because I do remember that there were other women in the church that were more available in that way. And so I learned through that process that you know, oh, we we can find that in other places, you know? And as you have the awareness and the understanding of how these root things happen, then change can happen, right? Then then you're like, okay, I don't, um, I may not get that from my mom, or I might need to share with her more, even though she's not the one to start the sharing, because that could be healing for her too, you know, because she hadn't had that growing up for herself. So God's He's in the midst of all of it, even within our trauma, even through the healing process. God is in the midst of it all, and he's trying to give us places where we can heal, where we can have understanding, and that change can take place for our well-being. So God was always with me, even though I didn't realize it, even though I was in my depression, and even though I was doing a lot of these these things to, to kind of protect myself and to control things. And his timing is, I believe his timing is perfect. Because if I were to, if I was dealing with this when I was a child, I would not have been able to deal with the emotions of trauma. And my parents, I do not, I really do not think they would have been um, ready to deal with something like that because back in those days that was not talked about, you know, mol- mol- um, people getting molested, children going through abuse that way. It was not common to talk about those things. Um, I do remember. I think part of the part of what probably triggered too was that I remember I would watch Oprah all the time, and then she was dealing, she would have you know a lot of um, guests on. She was talking about it, so it made it much more. Um, a public type of uh, topic and understanding, which was really good. Um, So yes, so while I was going through this, again, I'll say that God brought others into my life and who were already there. He he already gave me a foundation because I grew up in the church. I had grown up in small groups, so I did learn how to share in small groups. and. And there were those who would pray for me through the process of healing and they would speak truth in love they would counsel and encourage me and one of my close friends i didn't realize this but she had gone through a similar trauma and at the time she had gone through a six-month inner healing program and uh and she said i think you should go and so i prayed about it and uh, at the time prayer was even hard um, because i was just kind of a mess but i thought i was desperate so i go i need to go to this and so i started going and god did an amazing thing there it was a very safe place there was many it's called desert stream ministries it's a living waters program and it was at Um, Evergreen Baptist Church so it was mostly Asians who were going so it was Asian specific so culturally the things that we would go through I I think there's others who could relate I could relate to Um, what was really they had really good parameters like we although we were in a group together we didn't really know each I didn't know a lot of the people I didn't know any of the people there but um, there's an anonymity kind of in that which was good um we also were not able to speak outside of the group together because they wanted us to concentrate on not sharing so much outside but really sharing within the program because then there is like support and they had leaders we had small groups within that uh also they required that you were being in a counseling relationship while you go through which i thought was so smart, you know, so good. Because they realized that they could not cover all aspects of the healing process. And so for each one of us who would be participating, it was good that we had another place to get um, counsel. And it was during this place that, you know, even though it's was this really ugly mess, I felt like an ugly mess, The Lord wanted me to be free from these feelings, these trauma, this trauma to set me free that I felt so captive by. Now the enemy wanted me to stay in trauma. I I really, because I definitely remember um, during that time, I would be coming home from work and trying to function, trying to just get the regular, and he said, and, and immediately he went, when I walked through the door, um, it's like, oh, you know, you're not that great, you know, uh, there'd be something that I would feel like really in a good place and, um, and then Mike would maybe forget to lock the door or something, and I would just get really upset and he would say, see, you know, he doesn't love you. You know, these are the thoughts that would come in, or, you know, you're not a good mom, you're not a really very good wife, you're not caring. And these are the thoughts that would come into my mind, and <clears throat> I've never had that before, <clears throat> before this time. So I think I was just very vulnerable, um, to be very critical, as a critical, a very critical mind. But the Lord wanted to deliver me from that. And so it was in this place that you know we would be encouraged and we would get prayed over, we'd share our, our hurt, our pain, and, um, and in the midst of the prayer um, I learned to visualize Jesus and there are times when I really I would I would see Jesus in the midst and I'd, I would just say Jesus I need your help so much I need you so much and Jesus would come and he would be present with me I'd actually see him I visualize him coming in and being present with me and it was so comforting I learned how to confess in this group, which was really key. You know, we'd have times of where a group leader would pray for us, and we would just go into a place of confession. And I, didn't, I have to admit, even though I've been Krishna a long time, I really didn't have the practice of confessing. And so I would confess, like, Lord, I'm, I'm fearful. I'm, I'm in pain because of my fear. I can't control things, and I want to. I'm afraid that something's gonna happen to my, my son. And there would be times when Jesus would sit with me in that place, and I would feel like, I would visualize him, and he was putting his arm around me and be with me, and then he would, and then I would hear scripture, and I would hear people would give me words of comfort. That, you know, I, and I came to a place where I'm like, I have to trust God with everything. That is, that is the bottom line. I have to trust him that he's gonna be with me in this process. I have to trust him that he's gonna take care of my son. You know, he's gonna protect him. And that even if something were to happen, he would be with us in it, his presence. He would keep me going. He would give me the strength that I need. And so he sent, I, I believe he sent me to that place of, of, for healing, the, um, providing that place. So I had to confess my negative thoughts, my insecurities, my bad behavior at times, my neediness. I don't like to be needy, but I had to confess I'm needy. My pride, and even my pettiness at times. I just had to learn, I would learned to just let it go, to give it to the Lord. I need you to come greater within my weakness I need your love to cover me." And it was exhausting, It's an exhausting period in my life, but I, I, I can tell you it was one of the best times in my life. Because I think I got to a place where you've kind of hit bottom where I was just so tired that I couldn't hide anymore. I couldn't fight anymore and I couldn't flee, I was too tired. So it's in that, that resting place that sometimes we have to just lay ourselves out before God. And when there are people there speaking over you, encouraging you, praying for you, it becomes lighter. We need that. So I was transformed through that process. And the Lord had to tell me my true identity. Because I was going uh, uh, it, it, with, my, with my mom and my dad, I felt like, especially with my mom, the critical, sometimes there'd be this criticalness where I didn't feel accepted by her because she couldn't give that emotional place. I tried to be the good girl. You know. I tried, to be, I tried to be what I felt like she would want. And by the time I was a teenager, I was like, I can't be what you want, <laughs> I can't be, I, I'm just not me, I, I'm trying to be good in all these ways and sometimes I'm just not. And then I started to get rebellious and we had fights and all that. But, um, you know, so I had to, in that, in that through that program, I, I had to let down my mask of the good girl, you know. And then the Lord had to tell me, um, He was revealing to me that, I am a beloved daughter, that however ugly things look, he accepted me just where I was at, that I am a part of a holy priesthood, that I'm a prayer warrior, that I was lost but he found me, that I'm not a victim, that I'm strong, and that I'm precious and cherished. He was revealing all these things. And it changed how I viewed him, how I viewed myself, how I viewed Jesus, how I viewed the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. I love being in the presence of the Lord. So God truly accept me, He knows me, He sees me. I I was the process of being known by God because I was allowing him in to my deepest and darkest places. And he sees and he knows you too. He says, come as you are. All I want is you. The enemy needs to step back because I was becoming alive in who I really was, I was becoming real in the Lord and I went from go, uh, gory to glory. You know, So that first verse that comes from Jeremiah 29, 11-13, so these words the scripture becomes alive right? For I know the plans I have for you says the Lord, they are plans for good. Not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me and I will be found by you, says the Lord. So letting our guard down, being vulnerable. And you know, and it doesn't mean that you have to have, this was my journey but God is there for you in your journey wherever you're at in this process of life. I just, my encouragement to you is to avail yourself to Him. Seek Him out, seek others to walk with you in that place. Find those who are gonna speak truth to you in love, who are gonna pray for you, speak over you the things that God sees. So who is our example of the relationship with the Father? It's Jesus, right? Um, and Jesus prays for us in John 17, 24. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, in them and in, um, in them and you and me, so they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and I have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory and the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. I and in him, him and in me, we are in him. It's all about relationship and connection. <laughs> Me too. I love it. <laughs> uh, and then in John 15, 9 to 12, as a father has loved me, so I love you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, that my joy may be complete in you, and that your joy may be complete. This, um, my, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So how do we remain in his love, remain, remain in the Lord? We love each other. We love each other as he has loved us. Now, the, the Lord uh, did not leave us alone in this world. And uh, Jesus said when he was leaving he, the disciples, he promised the Holy Spirit. In John 14, he calls the Holy Spirit our advocate. And it's so important. I, you know, really, I was thinking about that, and I was like, you know, Westlight, in, in many ways, has been an advocate for us at Anaheim. We have really felt your support, your love, your encouragement. And there are times when I come home and I'd listen to um, some of your sermons and it would just speak so deeply to my heart when we were in such a hard place. So I really wanna thank you for being that for many of us. And, you know, we all may have different advocates in our life. My sister's always been an advocate for me, my husband. Um, I have people here from Anaheim who who support and advocate for me. And so that's such an important part. As we are family, we advocate for each other. But the Holy Spirit, in John 14:26 and 27, but the, whole, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Do not, I do not give it as the world gives. Do not let your hearts become troubled, and do not be afraid. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who's from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truth and spiritual words. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 13. So we need to seek the counsel of the Holy Spirit. I feel like, you know, even in this series, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you all through his word, through your prayers, through, through people, through your staff, your pastoral staff. So what are the ways in which um, the Holy Spirit may speak to us? So um, through the scriptures, as you know, I was sharing with you today, it might hit you in those deeper ways, right? Um, through visions, uh, seeing the Lord, like when I saw Jesus in the midst when, when I was praying and him comforting me, him being with me, him speaking to me. In dreams, um, I had a dream recently that I might, if we have time I'll share it with you, but the Lord was really speaking through, um, through the dream about for Anaheim, but also there was an aspect of it that I felt like was for Westlight. Through pictures, so those of us who are tend to have more imaginative minds. This might be a little bit easier for you to picture and go into the imagination. For those who are more on the left brain, logic, it might be a little bit more challenging. But the Lord uses that part of the brain as well, because there's sometimes there's more analyzing and in, th- in, in interpreting dreams or interpreting what's going on. So I really need those people in my life, too, to help interpret some of the things that I'm seeing or feeling. Um, And we can grow in either side, right? We could always grow in those areas. Words, sometimes the words will just come to mind. So a few of the two words that came to me as I was praying for all of you was um, peace and presence, that God would give you a sense of his peace and that his presence, would solidify the peace within your hearts. Uh, worship songs. That I've been crying in worship a lot because you know, when we sing and those of us who are just love music and the words, it touches my heart in such a way I can't help but but just lay myself out before him. And you know, when I work with your prayer group, you know Carol, she gets worship like songs. So when we pray, and she's praying for somebody, sometimes she'll have a song and she'll speak the words out over that person in prayer, and it brings healing and comfort and support to their heart. Feelings, being aware of our feelings as we go through whatever crisis is, comes our way, so important to bring in understanding, maybe we need to work through some things before we uh, can come to a place of deeper healing. Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll just, when I'm praying for people, I'll, I'll just have a feeling like, are you feeling this, are you feeling anxiety, are you feeling, I'm like oh yeah, okay let, let's give that to the Lord, let's, let's come before the Lord with it. The body of Christ, we so need each other, right, the body of Christ, our strength, you know, we have a beautiful body of Christ here. And you guys will speak truth and grow and love and pray and stay together and move forward together because you're the body of Christ. So in Philippians 4.8, when we look about, okay, what is the Lord? trying to, how do we know it's the Lord's voice? And so it says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So my last slide is, how do we confirm the things we're hearing? These are some questions I kinda usually go through my mind if I'm trying to figure out, okay, is this the Lord? And it's like, is it, is it consistent with scripture, what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing? Is it consistent with God's value, his character? Is it encouraging and is it loving? Even if it's a, a difficult word where it's like confronting, it still could be loving because God is trying to maybe go deeper and and bring healing, a deeper healing. Is it building a person? Is it building me? Is it consistent with Christ's life and his teaching? Those are all really good questions to think about as we're trying to process how to hear from the Lord and whether it's confirming and right okay, I'm doing pretty good on time. I think I have like five minutes or a little bit more than five minutes. So I'm going to tell you the dream that I had this summer. So I was, um, there is a group of us, uh, that there's a, uh, there's a home church that, um, um, they meet together and I was asked to, to come because they were going to do dream interpretation. And, um, I do get dreams from the Lord. Um, some are dreams that are just trying, he's trying to, Tell me about things within my own life. Some, if I watch a program, I dream about that at night, you know? And so I'm like, okay, that's just a, I watched that program dream. Sometimes it's a nightmare because I had pizza too late, you know? So I know that that was not like, you know? But then there have been times where I felt like, okay, this feels like it's from the Lord. So I had one of those, and I didn't, I I, I asked the Lord, you know, oh, Lord, can you please give me a dream? I I really want to dream with you tonight. And for the whole week that I was at, from the week I was asked, um, it came up to the last day, and and during the week, I couldn't remember my dreams. Like, I'd have a dream, and I couldn't remember it, and I'm like, oh, well, I guess, that's not going to be it. So the last night came before we were going to meet in the meeting. I'm like, "Lord, please. I'm open. Can you can you give me a dream?" And then at the part, I'm like, "Oh, but if I, you know, if you, if you're busy and it can't, it's okay, you know. I'll I'll pull one of the other ones that I have, you know, and I'll share about that." But then that night, he gave me this dream. And let me get into that section about the dream. Okay. So in my dream, I'm at my parents' house. My um, my parents are have gone, have passed, but they were there, and my immediate family, my sister, my brother, and then my my um, my own family, my my husband, my son, and my daughter, we're all there. We're kind of hanging out, and then there's these people we start seeing coming through the like on the window, like coming to the house, like they were kind of come in, and we, I, and it brought up fear. It brought a confusion, and they're trying to get in, and I'm like, "What? what is, what's happening? What, what are they doing?" And so I remember we scattered, and I went into a room. I think it was the bathroom, and there's a window, and I and I felt them. I heard them coming in, and I didn't know what the intention. So it's just like very confusing, very kind of fearful, and very blindsiding because we were just having a family gathering. So I go out the window, and I go, well, "I need to get help." So I go out the window and I go to my na- our neighbors. We live in a cul-de-sac, and I and I knock on the neighbors. I'm like, help, help, you know. And um, uh, one of the sisters, there's uh, three sisters and a, and a, a brother. Um, one of the sisters opened the door, the middle sister, and I said, I need help. There's people coming into our house. They're like, oh, come in, come in, come in. So I came in. Now there's an older sister, who. Um, who had challenges and some disabilities all throughout her life right and um, i went and i saw the older son i'm like what hap-? i go she was completely whole i was like wow what happened i go you, you know you, you look so great and i go so ha-. i went to this place of happiness because it was like oh my gosh it was amazing so healed and, and fully whole. I was like, this is great, you know, amazing. But then I go like, oh yeah, wait, there's people invading our house and all that. So then, um, so uh, I go into the dining room and then you know how in dreams there's a shift, there's a change, a scene change. So the scene changes and I'm back in my house and the invaders are gone. And I go, oh, I, go I wonder where they went, you know, it's like that's weird and and it felt like it, felt like my house but it felt different too it didn't feel the same and then i looked out the window and there's this ginormous beehive i mean it was like this big it was in the shape of an apple it was gold beautifully gold it was oozing with honey and it was there were thousands of bees around i'm like do you see this giant beehive outside? I'm telling my family, and they're like, oh, whatever. You know? I'm like, there's a giant beehive outside. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? You know, And as I was thinking, well, what are we going to do with this beehive? In come these, um, a family that were friends. I knew them. I'm like, oh, what are you doing here? And they were wearing like those bee outfits with the netting and the white. And I'm like, they go, oh, we're, you know we're bee farmers. I'm like, what? when would you become bee farmers? I don't remember you ever having anything to do with bees. So, you know, I felt kind of like myself in my dream, you know, and they're just like, no, no, we're bee farmers, and we're going to take care of this, and they went into the backyard, and they just, like, I was looking, I'm like, right, shock, right, you're like, what is going on? But they totally knew what to do. They were just, one was like getting the smoke thing and kind of getting the bees and gathering the bees. Uh, the other was putting out the boxes. I mean, they just worked systematically. They didn't even have to t- talk to each other. They were just like connected. They knew what, they each had their role and they knew what to do. And I'm like, this is miraculous. Like. This is amazing. So I'm watching them, and I'm marveling at their, their connectedness and what they're doing. Well, OK, so then um, I go out and one of them gets stung really bad. I'm like, oh my god, they're like, I better go out there and help them. And then they, were, they surrounded um, this person. And, and I'm like, Are, is she going to be OK? And they go, oh no, you know what? This is a part of the process. Sometimes you get stung and there's pain in the process. I'm like, oh, wow, that's horrible. I go, I don't, this sounds terrible, you know? But they go, no. But the person who is stung is saying, no, 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 it's okay. It's all worth it. I'm like, oh, interesting, you know? And so I turn and I look at the beehive and there's this big eight. I see an eight, the number eight. I'm like, oh, that's weird, you know? Then the eight turned sideways and started glowing and, I, and I'm like, oh, it looks like infinity. And then I woke up. So what did this dream mean? So I started praying about it and um, I'm like, oh, okay, the invasion, the feelings that we had with the invasion probably had to do with some of the things that had been happening at our church. And those were the feelings I was probably internalizing. During that time, um, I went to the neighbors, and, and we have throughout this process received help from others who came out of like, places like we're out of a relationship, but we hadn't seen in a while, and they came to support us, you know, um, and encourage and stand with us, much of like how we've felt from you. The neighbor with the disabilities, and there's wholeness is transformation. And I have been seeing God do transformation within our church. You know? When you think that you're gonna lose something, you realize how much you value. And we had to work through like differing opinions through this process. Not everybody was on the same page. And sometimes it got a little heated. And there were long hours. But we had to work it through. We had to keep the communication lines open. And we had to get different perspectives. So we had to be changed through that process. There's transformation happening. And it's still happening. It's also the processing of uncertainty and disappointment and all of those inner workings, all those feelings that we get when we're going through something that's hard. the scene changed and the intruders were gone and i felt like okay i felt like i was at home but it wasn't my home and i thought about well anaheim you know it's home but it's not really going to be the same it's going to change it has changed it we will not be what we were before and so i thought oh okay it's okay we're going to change the bees The bees spiritually represent new beginnings, hard work, and wisdom. They are a working community under one ruler, each having its specific role and gifting, working in harmony. Bees can see ultraviolet light. They see things that we can't see. They're a spiritual sight. I felt like the bees represented a healthy church each knowing it's gifting, each working in harmony, and being able to see spiritual things. Spiritual sight. Bees also represent hope and life. So these are things I looked up on Wikipedia and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> okay. I'm not like, oh, wow, she's a bee expert. No, I'm not. The huge beehive housing the community um, church, it, and in many, I think there's ancient cultures or religious cultures that believe that, that beehives represent the presence of God. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. A big old presence of God, you know, it's like, yes. Um, the color gold is God's glory, holiness, majesty, presence. The shape was like an apple, but the apple also looks like a heart, right? And we are the apple of his eye, and we are his heart, the body of Christ. We are his bride too. The honey is God's abundance and favor and blessing. The bee farmers, I believe, are friends who are going to help us in the process to understand the transitionings that go on to become an independent church. Um, and also to show like what healthy church looks like. You know, we could all still learn what is it to be a healthy church. The bee boxes with lots of honey, the abundance of God's provision and presence. One bee farmer got stung. There is risk in transition and change and sometimes there's pain in the process. But the person said, it's all worth it. If we're coming into more of the presence of God, it's worth it. The number eight represents new beginnings. I was like, whoa, when I was looking up, what does number eight mean, you know, spiritually, it's like new beginnings. The uh, number eight turned sideways, and it was glowing, was infinity, and it was in front of the hive is that God's presence will be with us always, always. Whether we see him or not, whether we ask it for it or not, he will always be present with us. No matter where we go, no matter what we do, no matter what we decide, he's going to be with us. And he's with everybody in the process, everyone. So in Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So the part that I saw of West Light was when, I, when I've experienced, as I've experienced like the whole experiencing heaven together, I love that, it's true. You are experiencing heaven together. And the things that, like the way he's placed your staff, you know, they each have an important role that, that bring your body together. And, they, and, and they're very gifted in, in like I talked about, talked about before, being the biblical aspects, but also the, the, the psychological, the counsel, you know, walking you through processes. Not just for during this time, but always. There is a healthy church here. And I just I, I just thought, oh, there's still lots to learn from you guys, you know, for us. So that's where I felt like, Westlight, you guys have been such, again, a, a, a support and love. And I'm so thrilled that we have so much connection. There's a lot of interconnection between us and you, so. So thank you so much and um, I'm ending my time like that. I just wish you peace, the peace of the Lord and His presence as you go throughout this day and all the days down line. amen.